Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. How about it? DeMar DeRozan making history throughout the NBA, not only just for something, you know, strange, unique, or minimal, but going up over Wilt Chamberlain. Who would have thunk it when the Bulls brought on DeMar DeRozan in this offseason that we would be talking about him overcoming? A historical record set by none other than Will Chamberlain. Unbelievable. And he's making his case even stronger for the MVP in the NBA. Welcome into the Chicago CityCast, folks. You know me. I'm Danny Burke, your host. Plenty to discuss revolving around DeMar DeRozan, revolving around this Bulls team and the roster acquisition they made during the second half of that Bulls effort and another victorious effort at that versus Sacramento Kings. We'll take a look at this Bulls team, update some injury news. It's looking good on the front for Zach Levine and Caruso, but we'll expound on that a little bit further momentarily. And then we'll also preview tonight's Blackhawks game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Good spot, yes, the right goalie in net for the Blackhawks, maybe not so much. You know how I feel about handicapping these Blackhawks games, so whatever I say about it, take it with a grain of salt. But folks, let's go ahead and recap this historical night that we endured as Bulls fans last evening. So the Bulls get the job done 125 to 118. My goodness, they made you sweat it out if you laid six or even five with this Bulls team. But like I talked about on this show plenty of times, and like I talked about on Rush Hour, which I hope you always tune into Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time on VEASAN, Marquee Sports Network, and many other outlets, this Bulls team... What they do exceptionally well, well, maybe not well, more so what they do kind of poorly is get off the slow starts. You saw the Kings get out to like a 7-0 lead, and then they get through these areas where they let their opponent get pretty close. And that's just basketball, right? I mean, this happens with a lot of teams. It's a game of runs. It's inevitable that these professional athletes are going to dominate at some point and make it closer than it should be, really. And that's the beauty of in-game betting overall, but again, especially in the sport of basketball and even more so with a team like Chicago. So hopefully you're able to get a better number with the in-game line. I played a little bit of that. I played a little bit of DeRozan with his in-game prop, but more so on rush hour, a best bet that I had for Danny's Dimes was DeMar DeRozan over 31 and a half points. The odds were minus 140. I know consensus came down to about 32 and a half and naturally still recommended that. And even at 32 and a half, the juice was still on the over about minus a buck 20. 
it didn't matter because DeRozan did DeRozan things and he got 38 points, even knocked down a triple, which seldom he does, but went 16 to 27 from the floor, five of five from the charity stripe, also tagged along six rebounds and six assists. And again, overall, 38 points so it marked the seventh straight game in which DeRozan has scored 35 or more points while shooting 50 percent or better from the field set an NBA record Hall of Fame center Will Chamberlain did accomplish this feat in six straight games in both the 1960 and 61 and 1962 and 1963 seasons but no player has done it in as many consecutive games as DeRozan. Think about that just overall, that only one player has gotten that close, and he's done it twice, Will Chamberlain, but also consider the different era of basketball. Will Chamberlain is literally like a tower among his peers at that point in time. The competition in the NBA, of course, was way worse and way different back in the 60s than it is now. Nowadays, What's really the highlight of the NBA is chucking up threes, right? And I'm not a guy who's anti-three. I'm all for it. But I'm just throwing this out there to make you realize how difficult of an accomplishment this is. And it doesn't matter who he's playing against being DeMar, Rosen, uh, DeMar DeRozan. The competition nowadays, of course, is a lot more fierce than in the 60s. And also, just look at the position group. I mean, Will Chamberlain, again, was literally like a skyscraper compared to these guys. Dropping 100 points in one game. I mean, this guy is a legend in the NBA, and it was a lot more easy for him to be a consistent, lethal scorer with a high field goal percentage than it is for a guy like DeMar DeRozan in today's NBA. And the fact that he's still getting 35-plus for rarely shooting any threes and doing it at such a high percentage field goal-wise is just incredible. It's outstanding. You can use whatever adjective you want. It all adds up to how great DeMar DeRozan has been playing. So you got to give him his round of applause. You got to give him the pat on the back. And it is about damn time he gets this national recognition. He's getting it from his peers. The Bulls' Twitter account is advocating for the MVP. Zach Levine is saying it in press conferences. Uh, some other players like Kevin Durant is tweeting about it, saying how he's... Uh, I didn't have the tweet exactly, but it was something about just how he's playing the game right and he's someone that he looks up to. So cool to see. And again, what's so awesome about it is that he's doing it from mid-range. Because we see Steph Curry nowadays. We see James Harden. We see all these lethal three-point shooters. And we're going, man, that's awesome. And that's the way the NBA goes. But DeRozan's old school with it. He's going to kill you from mid-range. He's going to kill you in the post game. And he can also attack the rim. So the way he is doing it is just so cool to see. And again, who the hell would have thunk it once the Bulls brought on DeMar DeRozan? Us Bulls fans thought it would be a great thing, a great addition, a very solid piece that would help this team compete deep into the postseason. But no way did we see it going to these heights. And to add to that even further, it's happening in his first year with a new roster and a depleted team. So everything he's been able to do is nothing short of... I don't want to say a miracle, but just amazing. I mean, he can't even believe it either. It's just so fun to see, and I feel very fortunate as a Bulls fan that we get to witness this firsthand. And we can profit off it by looking at his points prop over because, man, he has been cruising in the seven-game stretch. And during these past seven games, he is averaging now at this point 38.6 points per game, excuse me, 
while shooting 60.7% from the field. Not only is he over 50%, but he's that much more over it. I mean, it's just incredible. DeRozan has also scored 30 or more points in eight straight games, the longest streak by a Bulls player since Michael Jordan did it in January of 1996. The Associated Press reported that. Wow. How about it, folks? Now, we talked about his MVP odds at the beginning of this week. I had a nice little rant going on my show Rush Hour, and I tweeted it out if you want to see it, at Danny Burke 5 I did like a little YouTube clip of it. But there's, there's a couple interesting parts to this. So, again, if you looked around in the state of Illinois, you could get him as high as 40 to 1. And I pulled the trigger on that. Bet Rivers had about 35 to 1. There has been movement because now at the book that had 40 to 1, they have DeRozan at about 30 to 1. And Bet Rivers at 35 to 1 originally. Now DeRozan is down to 25 to 1. So you're getting a $10 difference, which, yes, is insanely significant when you're looking at huge movement in the MVP consideration. But it's still not as much as it should be, right? Chris Paul and DeMar DeRozan should not be on even playing fields in terms of the odds when it comes to NBA MVP. Devin Booker should be above Chris Paul at this point. Chris Paul was in an MVP conversation last season. I didn't hate that at all, and I agreed with it. But there's no reason why they should be in the same region right now. There's no reason why John Morant should have way better odds than DeRozan right now. John Morant will win most improved player, it looks like, based on those odds. I think he's like a minus $4 favorite. And I'm not saying John Morant can't be in the conversation, but it's insulting and diminishing to DeMar DeRozan for the fact that he's not at least 10-1 to 1 or lower than that. That's what it should be. And again, he's finally getting that recognition from his peers and from national media who are really harping on it. And now maybe that it's All-Star Weekend and if he does well enough in the All-Star game, that can highlight it even more so. But if you miss the train and you could still get 25 to 30 to 1 odds, I'm not telling you to throw your standard unit on it because it's going to be a very tough feat for him to overcome Jokic, to overcome Curry, to overcome Joel Embiid. I understand that. And Giannis. But there's no doubt that he should be in the same realm, the same conversation, and the same just pedestal that these guys are put on right now. We've looked at the underlying metrics. We have looked just from an eye test on what he does on the floor. We have seen the records he is breaking compared to Will Chamberlain. My goodness, what else does a guy have to do? The Bulls are number one in the East as of this moment. And this is with a depleted roster. Giannis is higher than DeRozan. The Bucs are behind the Bulls. Joel Embiid is higher than DeRozan. I'm not saying he shouldn't be, but the Bulls have a decent lead on the Sixers team that, mind you, has been healthy and just got a superstar in James Harden. Steph Curry's above him. I get it. Steph Curry, Steph Curry. But the Warriors are a championship team multiple times at that who have already had an established roster. Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, they have reserves. So it's not surprising that he's there. He's not doing anything differently, right? And Jokic, well, you expect this out of the Nuggets, but they're a sixth seed in the West. The outlier is it's DeMar DeRozan's first year with a new team. Nobody expected it to this height. Heck, national media said it was the worst free agency signing. And now look what he's done. Breaking a record set by Will Chamberlain. Having this Bulls team that has dealt with so many injuries to being number one in the Eastern Conference heading into the All-Star break, what else do you want the guy to do? 
He's had two big game winners. He's been consistently playing on both sides of the floor and is so clutch and dominating in the fourth quarter at that. Uh, let me pull up this stat really quick. Now, this is from before the Sacramento game, so this obviously is altered probably beneficially since then. But Cody Westerlund uh, works for 670, the score. DeRozan has scored 431 points in the fourth quarter of games this season. Now, again, this is before the Kings game which is first by a large margin because Giannis is second with 365 and has a slightly higher fourth quarter average, 8.5 to 8.3. But DeRozan was shooting 55% in fourth quarters and 54.2% in clutch time. What the hell else does this guy have to do? If he's consistently getting 30 plus, you have to put him in the same realm. You have to. And just because the odds by these books don't necessarily reflect that doesn't mean he's not getting that respect from the people who vote on this award. That's why we were able to make some big bets and cash on it last season during rush hour with Tom Thibodeau at 20 to 1 for coach of the year, with Julius Randle for 20 to 1 for most improved player. Just because it is not reflected by these sports books doesn't mean it can't come to fruition. These writers don't think the same. And you know what? The sports books, a lot of the time, comes with just the volume of money. I mean, it's solely based on that, right? The liability, the volume of money you have coming in bet on you. So that, for example, is why you see the Nets is like the short shot to win the championship in the East at Bet Rivers because they don't want to put a lot of value on it because that will entice more people to bet it. And then that will hold a lot more liability for the sports books on the Nets if they do win. So they want to entice you by getting these bets on DeRozan still. So maybe it can decrease the liability in Joel Embiid and Jokic and Giannis, whatever it may be. So again, just because the odds aren't directly correlated to where he actually should be, doesn't mean he can't get there by the voters. All right. It doesn't always have that correlation. So don't be diminished by it if that's the case. In fact, more so rejoice about it. I know some books in Las Vegas still have him at 50 to 1. And again, I'm not saying he's guaranteed to win it. I'm not saying he has the best shot to win it, but he should absolutely be in the conversation. And I just don't think this number is going to continue to be there by the time we get to the end of the season. And who knows, maybe they'll give you the cash out option on some of these books and you can at least make a decent coin from it, from the original value that you bought it with to where it ends up being. But DeMar DeRozan has been an absolute stud. He has done far and beyond what you ever could imagine he would do with this Bulls team. And it's about time he starts getting that respect. Among some other contributors in that game last night where the Bulls won 125-118 to 118 against the Kings. How about Kobe White? 31 points, 6 of 11 from beyond the arc. Exactly and even more so what a guy like Kobe White needs to do. It was funny. I was waiting for a three-point Field goals made prop to come out at Bet Rivers, and I'm not sure if it did, but some other books I think had him at like three in the hook, and I was like, ah, if it's three and a half, and it's not that great of plus money, I'll probably stay away, but I kind of like it. And look, I mean, he, he hit six of them from deep, 31 points. Hell of a job, Kobe White, doing exactly what he needs to do in this situation. Now, the concern is when the, this Bulls team gets healthy, and hopefully that's sooner rather than later, is Kobe White going to go back to being inconsistent, or can you get him to still get about, oh, I don't know, 12 to 15 points off the bench? Because when they have a healthy roster, he starts to just be more volatile, right? We've seen that before. But I'm hoping what the stretch does is boost his confidence, give him better looks, and give him a better understanding of how to play 
in the National Basketball Association, right? And and you may think that's funny to say, but truthfully, as a young guy who's played with a lot of different parts at the at this point in his career and his short career, this could give him a good look on how to attack the bucket, being a three-point shooter, taking it to the lane when you see an open gap. He did that a lot last night. But what you want is Kobe White to be able to do this off the bench when they have a healthy team. This is the scoring you need from him. And if he could keep that up, when the Bulls get healthy, man, this is going to be great for this Bulls team and exactly what you need during the stretch of a postseason run. So big shouts to Kobe White. Solid game from Vooch, 8 of 18 from the floor. 1 of 6 from deep. You need him to do a little bit better there, but knock down all four free throws. Locked up 10 rebounds, 3 assists, and 21 points. I believe his prop was at 22.5, if not 21.5. Stayed away from that. Because, well, one, the juice was on the over, and two, he was matched up against a bonus. And every other time he's been matched up against a bonus, he had stayed under this mark. And he did again, although really close. But Sabonis, what, I, th I think he's gotten the last seven games, like a double-double against the Bulls. And he just dominates them for whatever reason. So Fuchs had a solid game, though. Had great hustle on both ends of the floor if you're watching the game. Uh, Javante Green had 15 points, 3 of 4 from deep. Hell yeah, Javante. Good going. Io had 12 points, exactly what you need. Still padded the stats in the assist column with six. And remember, he was top six in assists since January 16th among Chris Paul, Doncic, Jokic, DeJounte Murray, and uh, Trey Young. Awesome to see for Desumu. But these Bulls role players are stepping up when they need to, and it's a beautiful thing to see, folks. And that's what you need when your star players or just starters overall are out. And hopefully we could get them back in the mix. And you can still get these key contributions from an Io DeSumo, from a Kobe White, from a Javante Green when they all get back in the mix. Because those are the important ingredients and essential ingredients to winning a championship. Look at the Milwaukee Bucks. You have one superstar in Giannis, an all-star in Middleton, but then it's really just all role players, right? I mean, Holiday, yeah, an all-star. But realistically, again, those are the guys who can help you out during the long stretch of a postseason against these deeper teams. And that's what the Bucks did, and that's what the Bulls can do. Now, speaking of injuries and hopefully getting a full roster, some news around Zach Levine. Billy Donovan says Zach Levine's visit with a specialist in L.A. went very well. He says the Bulls expect to have him back after the All-Star break. Let's go. He didn't say that part. I added that in, obviously. Uh, the doctors don't feel like he's in any harm's way of continuing to play. Donovan adds that Levine will be cleared physically to play in the All-Star game, but there may be a meeting with team doctors to talk about minutes. First things first, let's go. Awesome to see. That's what you need. I mean, if something happened to Levine... I think we would all just break down in tears. But that is amazing news to hear. And even the fact that he could play in the All-Star game. Now, do you want him to? Maybe for a second. Let's take it easy on him. But if we see his points prop out there, might have to immediately take the under. So uh, that could be a move you got to look toward taking if they even post it for Levine. Maybe they put him at like four and a half points or something. But we'll talk about some of those props. Hopefully they get him posted by Friday. But awesome news for Levine. Alex Caruso. From Billy Donovan, Alex Caruso is expected to be cleared and to resume dribbling and shooting in about a week to 10 days. Awesome. Great news once again. Don't know if he'll be back for that Bucks game. I think it's on March 4th, but we'll see. It's going to be a huge game. Can't wait for that. But very good news all around. Some other news transactionally. Tristan Thompson, the Pacers waived him, and it looks like the Bulls are signing him to a deal. 
DeMar DeRozan spoke on this on Tristan Thompson said, known Tristan for years, great dude, championship experience, good friend of mine, got the utmost respect for him off the court. Obviously, we all know what he brings on the court. Think it will be a great addition for us, veteran leadership. So Tristan Thompson adds depth size-wise, right? And this has been a desperation necessity for the Bulls this whole season. I've harped on it. Everybody's harped on it. It's clearly obvious that that was needed. Now, is he the guy that you envisioned them getting? Maybe not. Is he the guy you wanted them getting? Maybe not. You know, Robin Lopez was a name that was thrown out there. Uh, Enos Cantor, maybe not a name thrown out there, but a guy who could have been available. Paul Millsap. Yeah, Millsap's good offensively, but he can't really bang down low and provide solid defense at this point in his career like a gritty Defender, I guess you could say, like Tristan Thompson. Now, he is only 6'9". He's 30 years old. But again, he can have spurts from time to time where he plays fairly well. I mean, his last game with the Pacers went 8-9 from the floor, grabbed six boards, and totaled 17 points. Overall this season, with the Kings and the Pacers, he averaged 6.3 points per game, 5.3 rebounds per game, and 0.4 blocks. Now again, he just needs to play better than Tony Bradley, right? He needs to help limit a Giannis Antetokounmpo, a Joel Embiid. That is why he is here. And if he picks up five fouls, so be it. You limited the easy buckets, you made it tough, and you can make Vooch's life a little bit easier so he's not dying on both ends of the floor when you get in those seven game series and he can help out again bang down low with those bodies be a tough guy that Giannis and Joel have to go up against and that can absolutely help this team you don't want or you don't need him to be scoring eight to ten points if he can awesome but you don't need that you got enough talent offensively especially Javante Green and Kobe White are scoring you're fine you are fine offensively, but we need Tristan Thompson to just limit these big guys who are dropping 30-plus a night on Chicago. And if he can do that, then that is completely fine. And if you don't like it, all I'll say is trust the process with AK. It's been great up to this point, knock on wood, but I'm telling you, if they like him, if they think he'll fit, you got to believe him. All right? And I get everybody saying the Kardashian curse, but, you know, let's hope that's not a thing and Chicago can kind of uplift that. But realistically, this still begs the question once again that I've asked before. Now that we're heading into the All-Star break, I'll ask it again. Where do we view this ceiling for the Bulls team? After we've seen what DeRozan has been doing, knowing that Levine is going to be back and hopefully, again, knock on wood, can stay healthy. Caruso hopefully can get back. Lonzo Ball can get back for a few weeks or maybe a couple weeks in the regular season. And hopefully Patrick Williams too. Where do you put this ceiling for the Bulls team? Now, of course, when Levine's back in the mix and this team's healthy, DeRozan's not going to score 38 points a game consistently. It just seems unrealistic. You have a lot of guys who can contribute and help you out. And more so, you have to ask the question, how is this Bulls bench going to be? Right? And you can mix it up, keep DeRozan with the bench, keep Levine with the bench, Caruso could be in there. I get all that, and we're looking at this from the healthy roster standpoint. But I honestly believe if you can get Kobe White to score double digits consistently off the bench, this team can absolutely make a run for the finals. Now, I'm telling you that my thought, and it really hasn't altered, that the ceiling right now is the Eastern Conference Finals, reaching the Eastern Conference Finals. 
And I'm not trying to have recency bias based on Kobe dropping 31, but what we've seen lately, he's been in the high teens, low 20s, and now a 31-point game. But again, we've seen him when it's been a full roster, and he's definitely diminished, and he's been very volatile with the shooting accuracy. But if you can get that consistency out of Kobe White, that will go a long way. If you can get Tristan Thompson to play stellar defense, limit the big man threat on the opposing team, free up some opportunities for Vooch, that will go a long way. Derek Jones Jr., Javante Green, they could get about six to eight points a game, a lot of boards, good defense, some steals, bring the electricity and athleticism. We know that will go a long way. So yes, this Bulls team, depth-wise, sure, they could make the NBA Finals with it. I'm still concerned in the sense that aside from Vooch, you don't really have a big man who's going to score. And maybe you don't need that. That's fine. But, you know, look at these top teams, right? Uh, I mean, Anthony Davis just went out, but and they're not a top team. But I'm saying teams who have won. Giannis, big man won. Anthony Davis, Lakers, big man won. Jokic and the Nuggets, they haven't won, but they're consistently in the postseason. Joel Embiid, they may win the Easter Conference. We got our plus 850 ticket on it. And it just seems like if I'm trying to be as objective as possible, and you should be too, you know, set your expectations realistically. It seems like a year too early for them to win it. Like I, I was kind of comparing this to the Cincinnati Bengals, right? It was just very premature. It was a 180, the better team, the more experienced team won in the end. The Sixers have been building up to this for a while. The Bucks won last season. They had been building up to it for a while. The Nets, same thing, even with their weird team right now. The Bulls did a 180 flip. It doesn't mean they can't have success from it, but when you get into these postseason games late down the stretch, the experience is what really matters. The teams who have been chiseled by that adversity, like a Rams team, not like the Bengals, comes through in the end. Stafford coming from behind, right? That happens, and it happens in the NBA. You can flip the script in the NBA quicker. LeBron going to the Lakers. I mean, super teams are a thing, of course, but the Bulls don't really have a super team. They didn't get huge free agent signings like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, James Harden, right? I mean, he got DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, awesome. And DeRozan's playing like a superstar for sure, but it still feels like maybe you need one more piece or at least maybe you need this year under your belt of playing together in that postseason experience, and then we'll talk about them getting to the finals. Again, I'm not saying they can't do it or won't do it, I'm just setting my expectations realistically, and I still think heading into the All-Star break, even though they're the number one seed in the East currently, I think the realistic ceiling is the Eastern Conference Finals. And you know what? When they brought on AK, when they did their signings in the offseason, if I told you they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think you'd be pretty content with that. So we're feeling great. A-plus first half of the season considering the circumstances and the hand they were dealt absolutely above and beyond. What were your expectations coming into this season? My expectations were at best, the bulls would end a three seed at worst, a six seed. That was my range. I was pretty adamant about that. It still could happen for sure. And we still have a long way to go, but at the all-star break, I guess I really didn't set an expectation heading into the all-star break, but I probably envisioned this Bulls team at about a four or three seed, you know, fighting for those top three spots heading into the All-Star break. Figured the Sixers would be up there, the Bucks would be up there, and the Nets, before the whole Harden debacle, would be in that conversation. Didn't expect the Cavs to be that good. 
No. But here we are. And the Heat, too. I mean, yeah, the Heat are right up there. So, obviously, report card going into the All-Star break, A+. Expectations going into the postseason if you're healthy. Still at the same level, but a little bit more positivity has been added because of what you've seen from the role players and because what Tristan Thompson may be able to provide. There's postseason experience there itself. DeRozan alluded to it. But you need him to realize he's there for one reason, and it's to limit opposing bigs. And if he can suffice in that role, the Bulls will be looking pretty damn good, guys. All right, coming up next here on the Chicago City Cast, let's talk about a game we have tonight with the Blackhawks. Favorable one. You get the Blue Jackets at home, but you don't get Marc-Andre Fleury tending the pipes for the Blackhawks. I'll tell you who is next. Stick around. It is the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Place your legal sports bets at BetRivers.com. Your new home for sports betting. Millions of betting options a year on the sports you love. We offer live in-game betting on major sporting events worldwide. Tons of bets available during games from money lines, prop bets, and many more. Sign up now and we'll match your first deposit up to $250. More bets, better odds, more action. Place your sports bets at BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral service can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. Okay, welcome back to it. The Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host. Remember, you can follow me on the tweets at Danny Burke 5. You can catch my show Rush Hour Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. We broadcast it live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook up in Des Plaines, Illinois. If you can't make it down there, check us out at VEASAN.com or the VEASAN app, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, and of course, on the Marquee Sports Network, same network. As the home of the Chicago Cup. Speaking of the Cup, my goodness, can we please end this lockout? I'm I'm getting a little bit worried here. At first, I was like, ah, they'll figure it out. Catchers and pitchers reporting, they miss it. So what? I'm getting a little bit nervous. So hopefully they can figure things out. All right, well, let's go to a Chicago team that is in action or will be tonight. The Blackhawks, they have the Columbus Blue Jackets coming to the UC this evening. Looking at where these odds open, Chicago was about minus 140. As the home favorite, Columbus about plus 128 as the road dog. How have things shifted now? Well, at Bet Rivers, now we see the Blackhawks minus 139, so not too crazy. And the Blue Jackets plus 120. Total at six, slightly shaded to the over minus 115, under minus 103. If you think the Blackhawks can win by two or more goals, aka the puck line, the value plus 165. If you want to take the puck and a half with Columbus, minus 210. So Columbus is coming off a bad loss at Calgary, 6-2. Uh, to two, Whereas the Blackhawks coming off an impressive win, a win that I didn't think would happen, but they beat the Winnipeg Jets 3-1. to one. You know my frustrations with this team. I, it's just unbelievable. I, I got to be 1-4, 1-5 when betting with or against the Blackhawks. It doesn't matter what the hell I do. They're just screwing me. I mean, Winnipeg, what do you, Winnipeg looks so bad in that game. I'm not even kidding. It was just unbelievable how Chicago made them look like an AHL team or worse than that's insulting to AHL teams. I digress. Looking at the stats here for Columbus, they're averaging 3.1 goals per game. Um, they're allowing about 3.7. Defensively, they've been a train wreck. Chicago's averaging only 2.4 goals per game, but defensively, they are allowing 3.3. 
These teams did meet on January 11th. Chicago did get the job done 4-2. So like I said, Marc-Andre Fleury will not be tending the pipes for the Blackhawks in this game. Arvid Soderblom looks like he will be the goalie for Chicago. He's a rookie out of Sweden, 22 years old. He's been involved in two games, but technically has started one for Chicago. So he's 0-1-0, 4.23 goals against average, and his save percentage of 88%. So in 40 minutes, a game where he didn't start, he gave up three goals at Nashville, and the Hawks lost that game 6-1, 18 shots, saved 15 of them. Now his first start was versus Calgary. Flames are a damn good team. And he gave up four goals in his first start versus the Flames. On 41 shot attempts, he saved 37 of them. Hawks lost 5-1. to one. So this, again, would be a good spot, in my opinion, for the Blackhawks if you had your guy Flurry in the net. Even if you had Lankanen, but we know Lankanen's been dealing with injuries. Because the Blue Jackets ain't good. They are not good at all. If there's teams the Blackhawks can beat up on, it's a team like Columbus. But I don't, and again, I was like, oh, am I going to have to bet Chicago? It's a good spot. And now the fact that they got Soderblom in there who doesn't have experience and we don't know what the hell to make up of him. And if there was a time for him to win, it would be against Columbus at home. But my point is, now I feel comfortable staying away from this game, especially if you're telling me I got to lay north of 130, close to 140 with Chicago and their fourth, third string, whatever goalie. Elvis Mers Lincolns, um... He's going to be starting for the Blue Jackets overall this season, 17-13-1, 3.40 goals against average, 90% with his saves, and he's got two shutouts this season. One of them coming on the road where he's allowing 3.91 goals against average statistic-wise, and 88% with his saves, 7-8-0 on the road. And you go, ho, 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 hold up. He looks terrible on the road. So maybe the Blackhawks are the right play. Maybe they are, but again, Soderblom, we don't know what the heck to make of him. He's allowed, what, nine goals as of this point? Or, uh, excuse me, seven goals. I don't know where I got nine. But <laughs> seven goals as of this point? But Merzlikens, he's been pretty bad too. Let me pitch you the over six. I think it's slowly starting to get some momentum, but Merzlikens, uh, he's gone over the total of six, which we see it at right now. His record is 16, 10, and 5. So 16 out of 31 games he has been involved in, the total has gone over the number of 6. And collectively as a unit for Columbus, they've gone over the total of 6 in the last 4 out of 5 games and the last 6 out of 8 games. They're 6-1-1, one, one, meaning they've pushed one time in the course of the last 8 outings. The defense has been terrible. But can the Blackhawks do enough offensively to contribute? Again, they're only averaging 2.3 goals per game. But if there's a time where they can look decent, got to think it's against this goalie in Columbus. Now, Soderblom uh, to the over again, 1-0-1. The one game he was involved with, it was 6-1 at Nashville. But he played 40 minutes in that game against Calgary where he started. Gave up four goals. Overall, Flames had five, but it pushed on six. 6-5-1 to the over of 6 when Marc-Andre Fleury is not starting for Chicago. I think if you're looking to play anything in this game, I don't hate the idea of looking at the plus money of Columbus now, but more importantly, the top play I would make would be betting this total over 6. So because of how much the Blackhawks screw me, they'd still find a way to screw me with the total. So I don't think I'm actually going to play a pre-flop, but what I may do is take a look at this game, and if the Blackhawks' offense is continuing to be non-existent, 
you're probably going to get this total down to as low as five. I would not be shocked to see that. So this could be a case to where, and I don't really in-game bet hockey as much because I just don't follow it as closely as I would NBA or NFL naturally. But if you're paying attention enough and you go in with the preconceived notion that, hey, these goalies are this bad, I think it could go over the total of six, but I'm not fully there with it because you know what the Blackhawks offense sometimes is incapable of, actually a lot of times. So maybe look to do that. Approach this from the in-game standpoint. Wait to see if you get five and a half or five. If it's a slow starting first period, slow starting second period, and then going into the third, look to live bet the over. That would be my attack for this Blue Jackets and Blackhawks game tonight. Rooting for the rookie. We need to get some hype around our goaltenders, that's for sure. Marc-Andre Fleury, heck, the rumors are he may go back to VGK. Who the hell knows? But at least if the Blackhawks can finally get some momentum now, after a what I will call impressive win at Winnipeg, it'll be good for this team. They need it. We want to see it as fans. So let's see if they could take care of business at home against the Blue Jackets. But I do think it should be a higher scoring affair if the Blackhawks can help you out. But that's really all I got in terms of handicapping that game. I do have a play in hockey and a player prop that I am betting in the NBA. I'll talk about that on my show, Rush Hour. So if you want some of that action, check it out. Again, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, vsin.com, vsin.com, Marquee Sports Network, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. I've got you covered. So until next time, we'll try to get some all-star props and bets tomorrow. Hopefully they're posted. But take care and best of luck with all your bets. Enjoy the slate of games tonight. Let's go Blackhawks. Let's go over if you want to get involved. And let's go DeRozan for MVP, baby. Speak it into existence. All right. Take care, folks. We'll catch up again tomorrow. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.